welcome to the IOD's Director's Briefing Podcast. This podcast is produced by the IOD's Policy Unit and provides timely updates, insights and commentary on the key issues of the day impacting business leaders. Hello and welcome to this episode of the Director's Briefing Podcast. Today we'll be discussing school governance in celebration of National School Governors Awareness Day. My name is Alex Hall-Chen, Principal Policy Advisor for Skills at the IOD and also a new school governor. And I'm delighted to be joined by Hannah Stolton, CEO of Governors for Schools, and by Kay Betty, Non-Executive Board Director at the Thinking Schools Academy Trust and Health and Safety Manager at John Lewis Partnership. Welcome to you both. So back in 2018, the IOD published a report on school governance called Back to School, Common Challenges Facing School Governors and Company Directors, which examined central aspects of the school governor role, such as managing conflicts of interest and holding school leadership to account, outlining how these translate to similar features in the field of corporate governance. Obviously, a lot has happened since the publication of that report. We know that the intervening years have thrown up huge challenges from COVID to Brexit to labour shortages for boards of directors of companies to respond to. Hannah, from your perspective, how has the field of school governance developed and changed in the past few years? And what are some of the major challenges you see on the agenda of boards of governors today? Thanks, Alex. Well, it's changed, I think, quite considerably. Um, we've obviously had had to deal with COVID in schools, which has been huge. Um, one of the main changes there, I think, is, is just the nature and the way that school boards run their business now. A lot of schools now have remote meetings, which was not a thing um, back in 2018 when the report was written. Um, and it's made the role perhaps more accessible, I think, um, because people can now join where, from wherever they are for at least some of the meetings. Obviously, we still want governors still going into schools and seeing what's happening on the ground and that is still the case but I definitely think there's been a, a shift in the way that governing boards are conducting their business and um, a lot of it is now online um, and and joining the, the rest of the uh, the business world in the way that they they run their meetings so I think that's one of the major changes that we've seen um, recruitment and retention you mentioned as well that's that is an in, in issue in schools. Um, secondary schools are really struggling to find teachers. But on the other hand, we've got in primary schools where the um, the pupil numbers are shrinking. Actually, some boards are having to make some really difficult decisions about how they how they manage that. Obviously, with shrinking pupil numbers, that's a shrinking budget, and then therefore they may be having to face redundancies and, and that sort of thing. So um, there's been lots of changes. I would say another major change is the way that um, boards have had to support head teachers. Head teachers faced issues that they never dreamt that they would have to face during COVID. Schools shutting like that, it was it was just not expected at all, obviously. Um, so some of the, I think, the responsiveness of boards changed. I think boards had to be quick to, to respond to head teachers and take a, a very supportive role in what was a very difficult time. A lot of head teachers are now leaving the profession sadly because of burnout and, and mental health issues so I think mental health and well-being came to the fore as well. Brilliant thank you and, and Kay as someone who's been a school governor since 2017 what's your perspective? Yeah I mean it, it would have been great to not to have mentioned Covid in this podcast but it's, it's inevitable because it's had such a major impact on on student life and indeed the schools so um, I mean the, the, for me the impact on, on children's mental health 
predominantly because of the lockdown has just been profound and it really has changed the pathway I think in terms of how school governance and how boards now think about um, about student experience. Um, so there's been a notable shift from a real focus on curriculum and behaviour in schools to the broader mental health um, of students. So when when boards meet now um, at governing body meetings and so on there's a much more holistic view of the whole person rather than um, perhaps being traditionally more focused on um, results driven at GCSE and beyond. Um, The other thing is that that teachers themselves, governors, even the board have to really consider their own well-being now, their work-life balance and Hannah alluded to the fact that now it's it's unlocked a lot of potential and that we can now attend these meetings remotely. Um, it certainly helped my own work-life balance for example, although I do think that presentees um, when you arrive at an actual physical building uh, to, to, to join the board meeting is very is very worthwhile. And I think that teachers now, their role has changed since COVID, particularly with um, pastorally. They now, they're not just there as, as a curriculum leader, for example, to, uh, they now have to sit with students at lunchtime and, and listen to all, all manner of problems, which which they want to do. But of course, there's a, there's a resource versus time uh, element there to be considered. So yes, um, I would predominantly say it's COVID rather than say Brexit and labour shortages, um, but it has had a profound uh, effect on the way schools are. Absolutely. And okay, in light of those challenges, what do you think are the types of, of skills that boards of school governors are in need of? Well, I think ultimately the role of a governor is obviously not to run the school, it's to hold the, the head teachers accountable for their actions. So I think you just need to be really um, have a very open mind and be prepared to question and challenge um, those conversations. So if a teacher is, if a head teacher, for example, was focusing purely on results, it would be um, you. You need a governor with kind of the soft, the softer skills to be able to say, well, that's all well and good, but let's actually now look into how your students are feeling, how are your teaching staff feeling, um, what can we do as governors to support you? You know, what what help do you need? Because if they say, well, you know, I'm, I'm five, I'm five staff down, and I just can't get the, the the budget approved, then that they've come to us with a problem, and we need to try and work through a solution with them. So I'm, I'm, that's an exaggerated example, but it's there's definitely some softer skills involved in in being a governor, um, but just just a critical friend really to the head teacher and indeed the senior leadership team. Absolutely, hello. Is there anything you'd add to that? Uh, no, I think I think absolutely what Kay's saying is, is true. Those softer skills are, are really key and probably have come to the fore over the last few years, especially. Um, we're still asked for the same same skills that we've always been asked for, finance, legal, HR, um, links with industry. Schools really um, sort of appreciate those links that, that we can make across um, in, with industry and with the wider community. Um, I think where they're needed has shifted a little bit with maths becoming more uh, embedded within the system that the shift in where those skills are needed has, has been evident so at trustee level absolutely finance is really key whereas on a local governing board it's less of a requirement saying that um we do have local governing boards coming to us and asking for finance skills because they really value their ability uh, people with finances skills ability to um to look at data so, and, and that's key for um, a governor's role, looking at data, you know, things like attendance data. We know that attendance is, is not as good as it used to be. So that's something that's coming up on governing board meetings all the time. So I wouldn't say that the skills have changed so much as just maybe shifted around as uh, where the focus is on, on what skills are needed. 
That's really helpful. Thank you. And it's clear that there's huge potential for directors and business leaders to have a positive impact on young people's futures by bringing their expertise to the boards of schools. And that it's, it's really important that we encourage this uh, cross-fertilisation between school and corporate governance to, to further strengthen the governance of schools across the country. At the same time, though, being a school governor represents a tremendous opportunity for current or aspiring board members to, um, from the private sector. Um, recruiters are increasingly waking up to the competences and insights that school governors can bring to the table. In fact, with corporate governance putting increasing emphasis on juggling the perspectives of a diverse range of stakeholders, school board experience could prove an even greater head start as it involves that intensive engagement with parents, students, local residents and regulators. Hannah, from your experience, what do you think are the professional development benefits that, that come with volunteering as a school governor? Well, the professional development benefits are huge. Um, absolutely, all of the things that you just said, the skills that, that um, people are using and bringing to the boards, obviously they're practicing in a different context. So if you are looking at finance in your in your day-to-day work life, looking at a completely different context, and school budgets are different, there's no two ways about it between a, a business and, and a school budget. Thinking about, you know, an average primary school will have a budget of more than a million. If you're sitting on a multi-academy trust, it is many, many millions. Uh, so lots of um lots of uh, skills to be developed there absolutely challenge um challenge is a key thing that comes through that we hear people are, are having to ask those difficult questions but do it sensitively and developing the, those people skills so i think there's a lot of the softer skills that you will develop um during your role as well and as you said often it is the fir- people's first experience as a board member um so they they can hopefully come at yeah, quite a young age to the to the role uh, rather than than waiting until they're in their 50s they can they can come earlier and really um and start to hone and develop those skills on the board um bringing their current experience but also gaining gaining new skills absolutely and Kay have you found that to be true in your own experience yeah exactly that actually when I when I became a governor it was um, because my two daughters had just joined the the local school um and it wasn't about being nosy it was a, a healthy interest in in how the school was run and the management of the school um and then because I um I was on that that governing body for uh, you know, two years a, a natural natural step up was when the existing chair stepped away um and I was asked which was a privilege to take on the, the chair of, of that of that um, body and then what then happens was at that point it unlocked a whole load of new skills that I didn't even think would be part of being a governor such as as the chair in our match for example you um independent independently would attend the the uh, head teacher's uh, annual review. Um, I would also uh, have the privilege of attending the director of education's review with the CEO. So straight away, taking away my my full time day job, which I love, um, I I don't do the CEO's uh, or the director of education's annual review in my current job. But boy, do I in in this role. So it's a huge privilege. Um, Great for the CPD because, of course, you know, you you opens up this new skill set. I've also sat on... uh, investigative panels, disciplinary hearings, um, and to your point about skill sets that um, we, we, we love in governance, um, 
I sat on a, on a hearing where I had a fellow governor that's an HR professional. So it was really useful to have that perspective. So whilst I can offer perhaps the chair and the, the leadership side of that conversation, they were very much present with their HR skills that, that's from industry, not from school governance. So um, it, it is fantastic for, for CPD. The other thing I wanted to mention is... Um, as we all get older, and school governance might not be something that perhaps a, a young a young person starting out in industry would think about, but um, they bring so much richness and knowledge to to our age group. I admit that sadly, I'm in my fifties now, <laughs> but um, what I what I find is that um, their knowledge. And so, for example, most secondary schools have sixteen to eight. Well, all secondary schools have sixteen to eighteen year olds um, in. Um, it's good to know what's on their minds. So when you talk to them, you know, what what's affecting them at the moment? Currently, lots are worrying about the possibility of there being a World War Three. So how do we have conversations with them to, to make them feel um, calm? Um, they're worrying about how they'll ever be able to afford a house. You know, my experience when I left school was I could, I could get a mortgage quite easily. That's not going to be in reach for many young people today. So it's really good to have those conversations with those students um, to see what's on their minds. And it, it keeps us grounded as we as we sort of develop in our own careers. Um, it sort of keeps us grounded. Um, we in our tr- in our trust, I'm really proud that we've started holding what we call student voice sessions where the board come along to those sessions and we listen to what's on students' minds. So it's away from their teachers and they can tell us what they're thinking about. And it, it really does help shape our knowledge of what we need to think about for these students going forward that's brilliant thank you and just on a sort of very sort of practical level okay what do you find the sort of commitment is that's involved in becoming a school governor well, honestly, as much or as little as you choose so if you wanted to um, do the bare minimum because you really have got a busy a busy other life work and working home um, I would say probably every three months the governing body would come together and it would be a, a two-hour meeting normally so that's the commitment and of course you've got to allow time to have pre-reads because you really need to understand the material you need to commit to reading the papers and sadly some of this information can be really lengthy as you trawl through pages of school results results and data um, so two hours minimum every quarter but as you as you go on to different things so in my position where I'm, I'm now on two other committees as well as the, as well as the board of directors probably six hours a quarter that that probably is it but of course it, it does interfere with the day job so you need to make sure that your uh, your current employer is very supportive of you having a secondary role um, and that you can take time out because sometimes it does impact on the actual nine to five most of the meetings tend to be in the evening and I think that's true of most school governing meetings governance meetings but um, but it, you do need time away sometimes for example if you were attending a, an annual um, performance review it, it will take you two hours out of your day but as much or as little as you as you want but it's, it's so fulfilling that anyone that's thinking about it and listening to this and thinking yeah I can't really spare the time think again because you really could probably find two hours every three months just to come along and start your your governor journey and just to uh, to pick up on that that point that you mentioned around the nine to five um and employers, I mean, given the benefits of school governance to individuals' professional development, what do you think that employers themselves can do to support their employees to, to become school governors? 
We have lots of employers who are partners of us. Um, so a lot of employers sign up to partnerships with us where they then help to promote the role to their employees. Um, and we'll come in and do webinars for them and talk them through the process, sort of hold their hand um, while they apply and then and then match them with the school. So I absolutely think all employers out there should be encouraging their staff to take up the role. We have some fantastic employers who give volunteer um, who give their employees volunteer days, so they have the opportunity to go into school and see what's happening on the ground, and as you say, meet with meet with head teachers, conduct performance reviews, and so on and so forth. So, um, giving that those volunteer days is really helpful. Um, whether that's a couple of days a year, up to sort of five or six days a year, we've got we've got some employers who do that, but. Um, what we also do when we work with employees is talk to them about the impact that their staff are having. So we provide information about um, where, their, where their employees are placed, if they're in placed particularly in areas of disadvantage. Quite often employers are motivated through their CSR policies. They want to help in certain areas. Um, so we will work with employers on that front as well um, to try and so they get the information that they want as well as obviously supporting the schools with their, via their employees. Brilliant. Thank you. And Kay, is there anything you'd, you'd add to that into how, in terms of how yes. employers can support? Yes, I mean, I think actually employers want us to do this because, it, again, it gives them uh, give, gives us an added dimension to our to our nine to five job. And it's good for the employer as well, because um, I record the hours that I work, for example, through our HR systems. And at the end of the year, they publish in the annual report how many of their staff have actually um, recorded voluntary hours that might be helping out in the local food bank, running the charity shop or indeed school governance, because nine times out of 10, of course, these roles are voluntary um, so so it, it's good for the company's CSR um, reputation to be encouraging their staff to do something outside of their main job and certainly that's true of my employer they've been so supportive brilliant and and finally what would your one piece of advice be to a business leader who is considering becoming a school governor my one piece of advice was it would be do it absolutely. Um, as Kay said, it's maybe not as much time as you you think it would be, um, and I think you can you can commit initially to being a, a school governor and then if you're enjoying it and have the capacity and the time you can then take on a more more of a leadership role so you can become a safeguarding link governor for example or you might become a chair of a committee or or chair of governors absolutely but absolutely do it um it brings the benefits of volunteering to your community uh, your skills that you are bringing to the role um, but the skills that you'll get back in return as well thank you and Kay what would your advice be I would say definitely do it, as Hannah says. Um, it is so rewarding. I think a lot of your listeners probably are um, directors already or are looking to secure a non-executive director post in the future. School governance, because it's mainly voluntary, is a really good way to test that that platform um, because it is a minimal um, time requirement. Um I'd pick a school that you already know or you admire um, or whether you're, you have children that are already at that school um, and even just ask if you can attend a governor's meeting just to see what happens. Um, you'd have to sit on your hands and be very quiet at the meeting, but it's a really good way just to sort of understand what's going on because all the information that's discussed at the governor's meetings should be published on the school's website anyway. So it's not top secret. There's no sort of a secret conversation going on that, that the public and indeed the parents shouldn't be privy to. So yeah, um, be curious. Just go along and, and have those conversations with the school office. Ask to see the head teacher. Ask if you can come along and find out more. Um, but I guarantee your listeners that it will be the start of a really 
enriching and rewarding journey. Wonderful advice. Thank you. Hannah and Kay, thank you so much for your time today. If you'd like to find out more about school governance, you can find lots more information on the IOD and Governors for Schools websites. Thank you for listening. We hope that you have enjoyed this Director's Briefing podcast. Please do subscribe to our channel to ensure that you are kept up to date on our future podcasts. You can find more information about our work on our website at iod.com forward slash news and on our LinkedIn and Twitter profiles. You can also contact us directly via policy-unit at iod.com. Thank you.